Welcome to Out the Root with Greg Kuyper on KKNW. Greg is a psychotherapist and holistic life coach. His practice is Kuyper Counseling. Through his professional practice and personal experiences, Greg knows that without connection with ourselves, connection with others is near impossible because emotional connection is at the root of healthy living. If you want to connect, you can call in to 425 425- Three seven three five five two seven. I'll repeat that. It is four two five three seven three five five two seven. You can also connect with Greg through his website, which is kypercounseling.com. There you'll find out more about Greg through a contact form. You'll find past episodes of this show, resources, even a link to his YouTube channel, which is called Connection Through Awareness with Greg Kuyper. There you'll find videos of the podcast as well as well as awareness exercises. So, hi, Greg. Hi, Stacy. I took care of all the business. You did. So Quite efficiently. Thank you. I'm getting <laughs> really good at this. Uh, that's one thing I'm getting really good at. Uh, but the rest of this stuff is, is hard. These past couple weeks have been... Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's heady stuff. It is heady stuff. And, you know, now, I mean, you said that on this healing journey that taking off the bandages and actually dealing with the stuff, um, you have you have warned us all <laughs> that, you know, it's, it's not enough to just be aware that you have these uh, injuries, if you will, mm-hmm. and that they've been bandaged by question mark, uh, that now we have to take them off. And... It's it's tricky. It is a little tricky, right? It because it's it's something that we have been distracting ourselves away from or avoiding. I mean, things have been going along fairly smoothly, kinda. And, right. And now, perhaps something has happened in our life that in our lives that that's, that's made us get introspective real quick, real soon. Real quick, real soon. Real right, quick. Well, I mean, double quick. <laughs> double quick. Uh, um, yeah, and so we, ha- we have to start looking, and it's like, oh, do I really want to do this? And right? it's, it's interesting, you know, you have talked about how you do a lot of couples counseling, and typically, unless it's the premarital counseling that you've mentioned that you do, mm-hmm. uh, couples that are coming into counseling are traditionally not necessarily in an ideal place. They're trying to work through some things, sure. communication and whatever. Right. And so, you know, you mentioned that you reach a certain point and you start to be aware of these things and you can no longer avoid them. So it's typically some kind of a relationship issue or right. I don't know, maybe it's turning 52. <laughs> um, I know, again, it seems very specific to me, but I, <laughs> I notice that, you know, a lot of my girlfriends and I, women get get real deep real quick you mm-hmm. know like we don't we don't pussyfoot around like we talk about mm-hmm. stuff and that you know if you're going through dare i say it menopause you have <laughs> time for nothing like you no longer want to put up with stuff all right from yourself Patience, from your spouse tolerance. right and yeah. it makes you a little bit more Edgy. introspective edgy and and it also hopefully makes you introspective yeah. and maybe it's made me introspective because i'm here each week with you um <laughs> but you know i share i share the info so yeah well you know we have been talking a lot about 
these healing these emotional wounds mm-hmm. and and you know these are the ones that we've experienced throughout our lives uh, it, they've been inflicted on us by our caregivers other people in our realm right life experiences sometimes and sometimes by ourselves even right self-inflicted um mm-hmm. Regardless, they're wounds, and, and we bandage them a lot of times rather than deal with them. And we've created elaborate illusions to protect ourselves from continuing to be wounded. And, you know, things like substance and behavioral addictions, emotional distancing, emotional outbursts, and isolation, right? Mm-hmm. Just to name a few. And looking at this, we've come to understand that this self we are protecting is our inner true self and and this is the essence of who we really are our you know inner child as it is sometimes called our soul it's it's the the true deep down real us mm-hmm. the authentic self the authentic self the pure innocent vulnerable energy being that came out of the collective consciousness somewhere to exist in this time and space, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's our, our physical being is conceived and born of our mother, and it is endowed with this pure spirit, my belief anyway. It's interesting that as this, you know, this child that comes in, as you say, pure and, you know, untainted and whatever, right. that we still have a sensibility and that each child, based on this very unique recipe of who they are, that mm-hmm. spirit of who they are, is, you know, one child may be fine with a overly loud talking mother, for instance, mm-hmm. while another may be like, oh, that's that's loud and whatever. And so our sensibilities are different, as different as we are, right? Sure. So it's interesting that it's like this other version of ourselves somehow imprints to protect ourselves. It does. It's fascinating it does. to me. It just it just made me think of a couple I was talking with last week, and and from entirely different backgrounds, religions, etc. And and um, he came from a family where it was lots of people, and they were loud, and that's the way they got things across. And it just you talked over, and you just go. And she came from this very meek, um, introverted type family, mm-hmm. and and. So it's really difficult for her when he gets loud, and he's just being normal. Right. But to her, the loudness is uh, uh, well, it's probably almost an assault, you know, and and, and it's not. But but uh, so these are the kind of things we have to deal with as we and the illusions that come with it. I mean, it right. It's I came from a quieter family, smaller, uh, less multi generational. However, the way that we spoke to each other was snarky. Pete's family, big, multi-generational, mm-hmm. and very loud, but they don't go deep. All right. Yep. So, you know, I- I'm relating to this couple. Okay. <laughs> and the couple is not me, by the way. Oh, okay. Yes. Go on. Well, at the onset, at the very beginning, we are just a bundle of senses and feelings. That's all. These, these feelings create emotions, and we have no clue what they are. Babies, no clue. We are just experiencing them raw and unfiltered. You know, you've seen there's just that bubbly, joy, laughing, giggling mm-hmm. infant, right? They're just experiencing what they're sensing at that moment. We talked 
last week about uh, the early childhood brain development, right? Mm-hmm. And, and how this is the way we are until age three or so. Just feelings and emotions. We don't have recollections about events. By age three or thereabouts, we, we're starting to develop explicit memory. And from the ages of four to six, our lives are rich with not only emotions and feelings, but imagination. And we don't develop much sense of autonomy till between 8 and 12. Mm-hmm. It's a gradual process, so somewhere in there. And much, much as we'd like for our children to have some reasoning and awareness of others at a much younger age, it's not going to happen. Their brain hasn't developed to be able to do that. So they are existing in a world of emotions and imagination, unaware of the stresses, strains, and difficulties that a life of choices and decisions has to offer, which is what they are witnessing in their caregivers generally. Mm -hmm. And the world around them is much of the time unaware of their unawareness. When this lack of awareness comes from, you know, mom and dad or primary caregivers, even with lack of intent from them, the wounding starts and it is coming from the very persons the child relates to emotionally the most. So that's got to be very confusing. So, yeah. So when you say that the world around them um, is often unaware of their unawareness, is that like we're giving kids too much credit to understand nuance? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. And so without meaning to, parents, caregivers, you know, whomever's there is is really making an impression upon a child. Emotionally. Right, an emotional impression I mean, on a child. at age three or four, I, you know, I, I, I talk to dads, and they're, they're trying to get the kids to listen and learn. And, you right. know, we don't do this, and this is why, and just listening, and why do you keep repeating this? Because I've told you so many times not to do that. Well, it's not even getting in there. Right. It's not getting in there. And so Nothing. all they're hearing is the, is the emotion. Um, unless I guess I suppose we, if we were conditioning like Pavlov's dog, but that, that's not what we want to do, right? I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, well, right. I mean that that's going to create a new set of problems for it certainly a person down the line, and yes. they're going to have to listen to very old episodes of this <laughs> <laughs> that are sadly probably still relevant, by the way. Yes. So, so then after the caregivers, you know, with the caregivers, we throw in the experiences from others and society as the as the child moves into those spaces and those, and, and working through that. And the, and the emotional wounding continues, compounded by the child's primary caregiver, not being able to provide emotional nurturing for protection. So the child, in survival mode, finds ways to defend their emotional vulnerability. And the illusions are created and nurtured and adapting as life experiences happen and in time and, and uh, the coping skills and defense mechanisms, right, the bandages resulting from these illusions firmly place the child's true self, the inner child, the essence of spirit, into what I refer as is this hidden back room, right? The heart of the artichoke. Okay. <laughs> I just, I like the idea that an artichoke is part of the thistle family, right? And the part that is most delectable is 
the heart. And you have to get through all of these layers. And it's true. And even if you cut off the tips of it where the thistle, the thorny mm-hmm. part is, um, you know, still when you get to it, there's the part that's the choke. Mm-hmm. And it's like so many layers of protection to get at this tiny little essence, this tasty little bit in the middle. You ever wonder who discovered those things were uh, edible? Right? I mean. <laughs> Thank you. I totally wonder these things. Like, who's the first person that was like, I have a good idea. Let's peel all these off. and Right. And eat yeah. this. Right. <laughs> anyway, we're, yeah. we're digressing. I know. It's what we do. So in this back room, you know, at first this, this, the door on this room gets cracked open every now and then, right? Just hoping for a breath of fresh nurturing. But over time, with continued wounding going on, the security of our true self results and the protection results in, in barricades and locks and deadbolts and anything to keep the wounding out. So this, this door is firmly closed. Over time, we develop our personality, who we are. But who we are missing is... We're missing a key component here in who we are, and that's our true self, our spirit, because it's inside this room. The essence of who we really are is not a part because it's behind the bandages that have overgrown that door to that room. This is not sustainable because it is not natural. These energies long to connect. Our beings long for connection, not disconnection. This is an innate part of being a human. How can we satisfy this inner drive to connect with others in a high vibration energy of collective experience if we aren't able to have that connection between our personality and our true self? We're separated. We're differentiated. We can't. But... We keep trying, and eventually something gives, right? We talked about that. A major life event happens. We're forced to become aware and do something about it. If only we could find this awareness before this happens, right? That's the key. We laziness can. is the mother of invention. Well, I, I would argue it's not necessity. It's laziness. Laziness. Yeah, okay. Right? Yeah. We get lazy. Right. And so then all of a sudden it's like, you know what? I got to come up with something. Yeah, it's the autopilot, right? Mm -hmm. Taking care of things. So we can. We can do this. And we spent a lot of time talking about that, and and we'll continue to do so, but it's basically this awareness that that has to be there that we need to nurture. We can't change if we're not aware. At the end of last week's episode, we were... um, standing in front of that door, looking for the courage to start removing the bandages and blocking us from connecting with our true self. And um, this courage comes from the awareness we are gaining each day, the knowing that we must do this and we can with what we started talking about last week. So why don't we take a break and we'll dive into a little bit of Compassion training. Man, I need it. All right, let's take a break. Keep listening to At the Root with Greg Kuiper. We are going to continue the healing journey when we come back from this short break. 
Sometimes psychotherapy is not enough to get to the root of our illusions. Hypnotherapy with licensed practitioner Annette Kuyper of Solid Insight can help. With hypnotherapy, it's possible to tap into what's beneath our layers of protection and resolve the illusions that stop us from accomplishing what we want. Hypnotherapy is a safe state of relaxed calm coupled with elevated mental awareness that allows for a deeper dive into our subconscious. Led by Annette, it's about understanding and loving ourselves and creating a deeper connection with others. Learn more about Annette at SolidInsightNow.com. Looking to reconnect with your partner, spouse, kids, or self? When the disconnect seemingly has been there for a lifetime and is impacting your relationships, it's difficult to determine how and where to start. But at the root with Greg Kuyper of Kuyper Counseling is the perfect first step. Throughout each episode, Greg talks about establishing emotional connection with ourselves and others. He offers experience, advice, explanation, and resources to listeners. You can find past episodes on his website, KuyperCounseling.com, or through his YouTube channel, Connection Through Awareness with Greg Kuyper. Hey, are you missing listening to this show is all about you with me, JDK Winnikin? Well, you don't have to. You can still listen to Greg Kuyper's show at The Root and my show. It's a win-win in every way because you can download my show and his at Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Don't miss a minute of either show and listen to them on your own schedule. So be aware out there that you can listen to both of us still. And isn't that comforting? Alternative Talk, 1150 on AM, 98.9 HD3 on HD, 1150kknw.com on the web. Welcome back to At The Root with Greg Kuyper of Kuyper Counseling. Remember, if you want to call in and you have a question or a situation that you want to talk to Greg about, you can call 425-373-5527. You can also go to KuyperCounseling.com and there's a way for you to connect with Greg there and listen to past episodes. So before the break, you mentioned compassion training. Tell yeah. me more. Well, here we are standing at the store, right? And we want to we want to go, we want to open the store and peel back those bandages and and help heal our real self on the other side. And we're, we're looking for this courage to start removing these bandages slowly and blocking this connection. And, and that this courage comes from this awareness that we are working on every day, hopefully, and the knowing that we must do this. And uh, what do we do? What do we do at the door, right? I mean, it's, hey, throw it open. No, it's not going to happen. We have to, we, we have to have, create an intention, a state of mind that shows caring motivation, right? I call this compassion training. Um, stole that from Dan Siegel. But, um, <laughs> borrowed, uh, repurposed. Borrowed, sorry. <laughs> Creating an intention state of mind that shows caring motivation. And how do we do this? How do, how do we create this, this state of mind? Well, we do it with kindness. If we make our intention one of having or showing a friendly, generous, and considerate nature, kindness. Think about it. We have all experienced, sometimes the hard way, that we are able to find what we need 
and desire from others much easier if we do it showing a friendly, generous, and considerate nature. This is kindness, plain and simple. So acting with kind intent. Kind intent allows us to find the compassion that is part of all of us. Kindness. It works. We may have a significant chunk of our compassion hidden behind this door, right? It's it, it bound to be. But when we've been vulnerable and shared it in the past, we've gotten wounded. I was just going to say that the compassion may be because it's the whole once bitten, twice shy. Right. That when you have been vulnerable or you have expressed that compassion, you may feel like it bit you. And yep. so then you're like, well, not going to do that again. Right. Well, and then we become, uh, our vulnerability becomes uh, more foreign to us. Mm-hmm. We hide it. When we become vulnerable, we've gotten wounded. We are standing in front of that door with the awareness that our answers lie in getting it open and reconnecting with our true spirit. Standing there with kind intent, ready. Our new awareness has allowed us to know empathy for ourselves. Caring about our well-being. Being able to sense and care about what is going on for us. We wouldn't be in front of this door otherwise, right? Mm -hmm. The concern points us in the direction and inspires us to a compassionate feeling. Our kind intent for ourselves fosters the compassion we need to have the courage to deal with these bandages. With this intent, we are able to look at our suffering. Imagine ways to decrease that suffering and then make attempts to help reduce that suffering. That is compassion. Self-compassion and self-love in this way will help us to transform the suffering. It's so touchy-feely. It is very touchy-feely. <laughs> and, and most of us, at the point when we're standing in front of this door, we uh, have been avoiding touchy-feely for a long time. Right. Or trying to. Trying to. Yeah, and it hasn't been working. Yeah. Even with kind intent and compassion, removing the bandages is going to take some time and effort, right? And continued awareness of purpose. You know, if you're you're dealing with a substance use addiction, that's a bandage. It's, It's not just enough to be aware that it's a bandage, but it's going to take some time to move through that right. recovery and, and remove that bandage isn't going to happen like snap of a finger. Right. right. It's not. And it's and, important to know that I think so many people that are not familiar with the disease of addiction uh, don't realize that that's not, that's a bandage most, most of the time. That right. That's not the problem, by the way. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. Well, most of these bandages, I mean, they've been applied very carefully and there's layer upon layer of them. And, and, and so it's just not a matter of walking up and start peeling. Um, we've got to learn through awareness what to deal with each one of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
one bandage is uh, possibly is um, not being in touch with our emotions. We've been very uh, distant with our emotions. That's what we learned to do. And now we're standing in front of this door. We've got to figure that one out, right? And that's not something that happens overnight. We've got we've got to work at it with awareness, mm-hmm. no matter what it takes. The continuing process will begin to let this door crack open, right? So as we're moving through all this, it's going to start to crack open, and then the reunification can start to take place. It's going to take a a bit to get to know each other, the personality and the true self, introducing them, once again, reintroducing them. Inevitably, as these bandages come off, we're going to find blame and resentment, right? Someone or something wounded us, and we placed judgment that it was wrong, and we developed resentment that the wound didn't get repaired by this perpetrator, and so our wall is up. So it's not our true self that is experiencing the blame and resentment. It is likely who we are now. Personality, okay. you know. Even if this perp sincerely wanted to apologize, we've made our judgment and meted out the punishment. What we all too often don't realize is that this punishment falls back to us, too. We decide to limit our interactions with that person as much as we can, right? And in the process, this damages other relationships we value or need. This happens a lot in families, right? Mm -hmm. Two family members uh, develop these resentments. One wounds the other emotionally. Collateral damage. Collateral damage, and then the whole family can't get together and... It's it's a a lot a lot of drama, a lot of pain. We perceive our hurt as so deep we can never recover, and this leaves no room for exploration of intent or misinterpretation or a, a desire to reconcile. Right? We just wallow in this pain, playing the victim, and apply more bandages. Now, I don't mean to imply the injury and pain are not real. That's no, that's wrong. They are. But there is a way to temper the effect on us, and in so doing, find the intent to reframe and grow from this experience, and that takes awareness. That's forgiveness, right? Granting forgiveness is not nearly as much for the person that wronged us as it is for us. Forgiveness means that we no longer have to carry the baggage of the experience, this emotional burden. When you choose not to forgive, the experience that you do not forgive sticks with you. It hangs there, continually on your mind and in your heart. Author Gary Zukov Gary, again, provides a vivid metaphor here I like. When we choose not to forgive, it is like agreeing to wear dark, gruesome sunglasses that distort everything. And it is you who are forced every day to look at life through those contaminated lenses because you've chosen to keep them. You wish everyone else to see the world that way because you wish to see that world that way. And it is indeed the world that you are looking at. But you're the only one that sees it. 
Mm. On a much smaller level, it's like when you spill coffee on your shirt and you're fixated on it. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's what you- <laughs> Very smaller level, well, yeah. Well, yes, <laughs> but like, it's the thing that you fixate on. Like, think about, maybe this is- Maybe this is just me, but you spill something and you're going into work or you're going someplace and you don't have time to change and you have this stain on yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And it's all that you can, it's what you lead with in a room. You don't say, oh, hey, Greg, how are you? You're like, I spilled coffee on my shirt. Right. <laughs> so it leads everything. And meanwhile, no one else is aware of it or is focused on it or even like sees it, but it's all you can see and it shapes your perception of how others see you. Right. So it's a smaller it's a smaller thing, but you know, I like to like to translate. It 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 plays into that, yes. So Gary goes on to say an authentically empowered person is one who forgives. Mm. Forgiveness is not a moral issue. It is an energy dynamic. When most people forgive, they do not want those that they forgave to forget that they forgave and forgot. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> when most people forgive, they do not want those that they forgave to forget that they forgave and forgot. Ah. Uh, th- this this kind of forgiveness manipulates the person who is forgiven. Right? It's like they, forgiveness with a caveat. Yeah, right. It's not forgiveness, really. It's a means of acquiring external power over another person. Ah. So when we choose not to forgive, this energy dynamic is turned against us. By not forgiving, we allow the harmful incident to have power over us forever. It's there. We can reclaim this power, our power, with forgiveness. Does not mean that what happened to us was okay. It was not. But forgiveness allows us to let go of the emotional charge around feeling wronged. With forgiveness, we regain control of our lives and jettison this ugly emotional baggage that we're dragging around. We exist in a universe of cause and effect, right? For every action we take, there's going to be an effect, a consequence, whatever you want to call it. And the universe conveniently provides the effect more often than not, right? Our judgment really means very little. And more often than not, results in pain and anguish for ourselves. So we want to forgive the wounders so that we can vibrate with higher energy and connect with others at that frequency rather than lower energy of hate and anger and resentment. And when we do this, we crack that door open just a little bit further for the healing. Wow. It's it's so interesting because, uh, you know, through the years you watch shows where somebody has been wronged uh-huh. in some horrific crime or, you know, relationship or whatever. And it's so powerful when you hear the loved ones of a victim or, you know, whatever the situation is, talk about how, you know, there's just this forgiveness that it's not going to bring the person back and they're devastated and whatever it is, but they need to let it go so that they can 
grieve the person and not the circumstances in a way yes. or celebrate the person and right. not focus on the circumstances. And so often, you know, I think about my own relationship even with uh, my mother-in-law uh, and my father-in-law. Um, they're of a different generation, a different time, whatever. And their kids, um, mostly their daughters, will get frustrated with their views on something. And I'm like, just celebrate who they are and mm. focus your energy on like your kids and other things and don't focus on uh, those things that you can't control. Right. Well, and you know, that brings me to something I just thought of. Jack Kornfeld, um, wonderful, wonderful, uh, kind man and author, um, um, writes a lot on um, forgiveness and shame. And I, th- I wish I could remember exactly how I said it, but it's, it's like forgiveness is being okay with not changing the past. Mm. I, I'd like the way he says that. Right? I like that. I mean, yeah. At some point, you're okay with not changing the past because... As long as you're holding that blame or that resentment, you're you're trying to change the past, right? In your mind, at least, right? Right. And you just you can't. if only I should have, right. they should have, whatever, right? And if we can just somehow become okay with not having to change the past, then we can move forward, right? Well, and. I always say it like, you can hold true truths to be self-evident. There's, it doesn't have to be a but. No, oh, they yeah, did right. this, but or you know, mm-hmm. blah 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 blah. But it's okay. They did this and so right. <laughs> okay. Oof. You know, earlier I I mentioned too that um, uh, there are times when our wounds are self-inflicted, and this is a little bit more of a complicated injury because it it comes from stems from the emotional wounds we've received from others in our experiences right we get wounded and and then it, it's like compounding these wounds it's, it's more insidious to our well-being it, it this this wound that we do to ourselves is is shame mm, i was wondering yeah. how it is that we inflict these wounds, and it shame. It's, I mean, that we do that on ourselves, right? I mean, shame happens when we believe that we're flawed, and therefore we're not worthy of love. We're not worthy of belonging. We're not worthy of connection. So it's almost like a second layer of wounds. It is okay. Yeah. Got it. Over time, you know, we come to believe that these emotional injuries inflicted by others have some basis in truth. We just, over and over and over, it's driven home, right? We are unlovable. We don't belong. We exist to connect with others. Well, that's the point. We do exist to connect with others. It gives us purpose and meaning in our lives. And others have given us reason to believe that we are not worthy of connection, right? That, that, that's what they're doing. Shame is the fear of disconnection. 
Shame is like rubbing salt in the wounds. Mm. And we're doing it ourselves. We've been wounded. And then we decide we deserve it. Self-compassion, once again, is the antidote. Looking at these wounds with kind intent. And this kind intent is a recognition that being imperfect, failing, and experiencing difficulties and wounds from others is going to happen. And to not let it have power over us. Easier said than done. So much easier said than done. It helps if we can recognize that suffering and emotional injuries is part of a shared human experience, right? I mean, this happens to everybody. Right, but we don't think that. No, we don't. At the time. We must be aware and mindful of our wounds. We cannot ignore our pain and feel compassion for it at the same time. We cannot ignore our pain and feel compassion for it at the same time. It's impossible, right? Brene Brown reports that through her research, she found that there are four practices that can help us overcome shame. Wait, are these like your peas? Well, kind of. Okay. But they're not peas. (laughs) (laughs) They're her four practices, okay? So I guess they are her four peas. There you go. Recognizing shame when it is happening to you and naming it and feeling your way through it and trying to figure out what it triggers it for you, right? Uh, once again, that's, that's another one that's easier said than done. But we talked about being aware when we're having feelings, right? Mm-hmm. And bringing whatever that is into awareness and naming it. This is shame. Once you name it, you can decide, you can make choices what to do with this, right? Right. And it shows up different for different people. Right. And so becoming aware of what it looks like for you. Right. You know, what's shame look like for you? I mean, where do you get it generally, do you think? Uh, typically for me, I mean... It always happens around kids, my mm, kids, yeah. and and that piece, um, and and I feel like that's more common. It also comes for me around the workspace. I hear a lot of the things that I should be doing because mm. how I work is a little bit more, and what I do is unorthodox in right. some ways. Uh, there's a lot of shoulds in my head. I should all over myself, right. and. Uh, and so then I have these feelings of, you know, inadequacy and that I'm not doing it right and I'm doing it all wrong and, and you know, you can't be successful doing it your way and all of those kinds of things. Where do you get it in your body? Can you, can you, can you uh, put that together? I get it in my body, in my chest. Yeah, it's kind of that sunken. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. I definitely get this. Punch. Yeah, it's a total punch. Like I'm, yeah. right now I'm hitting... My breastbone. Uh, And I just get this, like, oh. Yeah. And when we get that, we want to name it, right? This is shame. And that's a hard one in itself. I mean, admitting that I'm shamed. Mm -hmm. I just shamed myself. I am shaming. This is shame. I am ashamed 
Ooh, that's a hard one to admit. No, I'm not. No, no, no. no not ashamed. Well, and. But I am ashamed. We have to also remember to use the I feel ashamed, right? right, right? right. I feel shame. Because yeah. otherwise we identify as As shamed. part of it. Right. Yep. So I feel shame. Feeling your way through it. And then, and then you know, what, what triggers it for you? Right? Those are interesting questions to, to, to be introspective and, and find some awareness around. Um, the second one is practice critical awareness. Hmm. Can, you, can you reality check the messages and expectations that are driving your feeling of shame, right? Sometimes mm, that's really hard, right? Okay, is this real? Wait a second. Right. But that's, that's after you name it, you bring it into your conscious thinking where you can make choices and decisions and reasoning, right? So you're not reacting from the shame. You're not, you're not in the throes of that uh, feeling. You have named it. There's shame here. And now you're, we're talking about, okay, what is this? Wait a second. Is this real? Right. What am no, I going to no, do no, about no. it? This is not real. This is something, yeah, you know. Um, and once we establish what's going on, um, I mean, how often is shame real? I mean, think about it. Well, right. It's We perceive it. It's a perception. And yeah. perception is reality, we think. Right, right. The third thing she says is reaching out, owning and sharing your story. How do we experience empathy for what we're feeling if we're not sharing it. <laughs> if no one else knows it, there's no empathy for her, you know, right? Right. And, and shame is not an easy one to, to own and share with others. Oh, my God. Now, we're not doing like the, the, uh, the cardboard sign guy on Instagram, and we're not saying like, <laughs> no. you know, I feel shame. We are telling the people in our circle right oh yeah yeah. so that's who we're sharing this with like hey i was feeling this sharing it with people that can support you right Right. and give you empathy so bids bids for connection as you've talked about right okay okay and the fourth thing she talks about is speaking shame Hmm. Are, are, are you talking about how you feel and asking for what you need when you feel shame so that's kind of ties in with the last one but are you, are you talking about how you feel it? What do I need when I'm feeling the shame? Silence, secrecy, and judgment fuel shame. Oh, yes. Amen. I secrecy and Bonnet. judgment fuel shame. I mean, the more you hold that in, the, the more you are um, truly going to believe that you are unworthy. And then self-forgiveness, of course. We were just talking about that. Yeah. Forgiving ourselves. Should we take a break? Sure. Let's do that. Okay. Let's take a break uh, because I feel like those were four points that are worth stopping on. Keep listening to At The Root with Greg Kuyper. We will be right back to continue on our journey to forgive and forget. Too many relationships are adversely affected by wounds from our past. Lack of connection, unhappiness, shame, and regret are just some of the fallouts we experience when we choose to avoid addressing those wounds. Greg Kuiper of Kuiper Counseling is a psychotherapist 
committed to reestablishing connection with self to create greater connection with others. His work with teens, individuals, couples, and those struggling with substance use. If you struggle with old wounds or unhealthy narratives, get to the root of them in yourself by contacting Greg Kuiper at KuiperCounseling.com. That's KuiperCounseling.com. Whether it's fly fishing or French pastry, we all have something that makes our tail wag. Involuntary and instinctive, it's sparked by excitement, inspired by purpose, and it speaks to who we are. I'm Stacy Heller of Stacy Connects. I lead clients to the place that makes their tail wag. As a creative director, I bring ideas to life. As a podcast producer, I give ideas a voice. Stacy Connects, it's my superpower. If you want to connect with me, Stacy Heller, go to stacyconnects.com. Asking questions is better than making assumptions. Such is the premise of my show, Stacy Connects, a show about making connections through conversation. I welcome a diverse assortment of guests to chat about topics and ideas that are sometimes educational, sometimes inspirational, a little personal, and always entertaining. Every week, I draw out and befriend the elephant in the room so listeners can connect with the unexpected. Listen live Tuesdays from 3 to 4 on Alternative Talk, 1150 KKNW. Alternative Talk 1150, local talk for the body, mind, and soul. Welcome back to At The Root with Greg Kuiper. Remember, you can connect with Greg through his website, kuipercounseling.com, or check out his YouTube channel, Connection Through Awareness with Greg Kuiper. Before the break, we were talking about, Greg was mentioning uh, Brene Brown and uh, the points that she has. Uh, about basically um, overcoming shame. Yes, the four practices uh, or the practices that help us overcome shame. So um, you left off on self-forgiveness, of course. Yeah, well, self-forgiveness. That's what we were talking about earlier today, forgiving others so that we can get rid of that emotional baggage. Well, if we are the ones that inflicted our own wounds to ourselves through shame, mm-hmm we can find peace and healing through self-forgiveness, right? Forgiving ourselves allows us to get rid of some of that emotional baggage, all of that emotional baggage that we're dragging around relating to that injury. I mean, those are tough injuries, compounding injuries. I'm unlovable. Right. I'm not worthy. I mean, that's that's heavy. Mm-hmm. And how being able to forgive ourselves for 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 repeating that to ourselves, for believing that, right? And and the only way you can do that is with awareness. When we bring it into awareness, we go, oh, wait a second, is this really true? Are you right. unlovable? I mean, I'm a little unlovable sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, once again, much easier said than done. Right. You know, with, with intention, let's go back to intention. If we have intention, compassionate intention, we, we start to pull back these bandages and examine the wounds. And we can create this state of, compassionate intention with internal statements experienced as an inner voice, right? 
ancient practices and modern scientific studies have shown this to be true. You know, we've all heard of affirmations and things like that. Mm -hmm. And this goes, you know, um, I agree with Dr. Joe Dispenza when he talks about affirmations. He doesn't believe in just affirmations because they're just words, right? Right. But they become much more, much, much more with the emotional intent behind it. Right. The, the, the positive, glowing emotional intent behind it. Um, a verbal phrase such as inner wishes for well-being of oneself or others activates the mind state. This, these simple words symbolize, right? With the power of this emotion, with it, the power of the positive emotions, compassion, uh, forgiveness, uh, gratitude. Oh my, that one. With with those emotions behind these well, the, the, these wishes for well-being, and and it really activates the mind state that these words actually symbolize. So statements are, are more than just a bunch of words strung together. When stated with authenticity, authenticity, intention, and care. That's what Dr. Siegel tells us. Statements are more than just a bunch of words strung together when stated with authenticity, intention, and care. We've learned about that from doing this show. Right. When you're talking about something, you know, we've learned that when we're uh, recording an ad or whatever it is, you know, you need to smile when you say it. Right. And, you know, it's it's feeling that and giving your words, uh, conveying. Intention. Intention, yeah. Kind intention. As we move forward in our healing journey, we are going to allow ourselves to know love, compassion, forgiveness, gratitude, and kindness. That is our intention. That will be our intention as we move forward, as we get ready to open this door, as we remove these bandages, we are going to allow ourselves to know love, compassion, forgiveness, gratitude, and kindness. So make that your intention. We will make that our intention. So say it after me. My intention is to know and share love, compassion, forgiveness, gratitude, and kindness. My intention is to know and share love, compassion, forgiveness, gratitude, and kindness. Start and end each day with that statement of intention or your own statement of intention that, that works for you. But, but that kind of an intention is, is, is starting your day with that is, is, is an affirmation for you. I have a new one. What's that? I have a new one that What's I've there? added to my list. Show me how good it can be. Oh, wow. I love that. Right? Yeah. So it, that's wonderful. I like that one. Show me how good it can be. Thank you. I totally took it from because the gal that <laughs> checked me out at the when I had my brows done. And we, were, <laughs> we started talking about intention right. and, uh, you know, mantras and things that you say. And right. she, I shared mine. She shared hers. And I was like, oh, I'm adding yours to mine. Show me how good it can be. Because mm-hmm. it's impo- infinite possibilities out there. 
It can be whatever you decide it can be. So show me how good it can be. I like that. <laughs> Dr. Siegel has a few other ones here that, that help to activate the very mind state the words symbolize. And you can you come up with your own, but, 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 but he says, may I be happy and live with meaning and connection. May I be healthy and have a body that gives me energy and flexibility. May I be safe and protected from all sorts of inner and outer harm. May I flourish and thrive and live with the ease of well-being. The more we use statements like this, in our intentions for ourselves with kindness and compassion and with the, the glowing energy of, of positive, those positive energies, compassion, gratitude, forgiveness, kindness. The more we can do that, the more that we actually change our mind state. And so now we are no longer allowing ourselves to be injured, right? I am unlovable. I am not worthy. Why? Right. Why when we can, we can use these other positive affirmations with the positive energy behind it. May I be happy and live with meaning and connection. May I be healthy and have a body that gives me energy and flexibility. May I be safe and protected from all sorts of inner and outer harm. May I flourish and thrive and live with the ease of well-being. And show me how good it can be. like that one. I know it's good. Yeah. These are the things we want to repeat in our mind over and over. And we'll put shame where it belongs. Mm-hmm. We'll forget it. Yeah. It's time to forgive and forget. Forgive and forget. Yeah. Wow, I love that. Okay. Well, of course, we are out of time. So another awesome episode. Thank you, Greg. Uh, remember, Thank folks, you. listen to past episodes if you want to hear how we got here. You can find them wherever you listen to podcasts. Greg, how do you want to end this? You know, everyone, just stay aware out there. See you next week.